0: Pastor Xavier Reese draws us to the truth regarding the
1: Book of Books. Now, do you think you just possess a book in your lap this morning? Do you realize this is God's inspired word, theophanousal? God breathed. It is an errand. It is infallible. That you can trust us more than you can ever trust yourself. I mean, every jot, every tittle shall be fulfilled. Jesus says, "Nothing in this Bible is by chance."
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. If you were a follower of God during the days of the Old Testament, you had to participate in a number of feasts that painted a picture of God's grace. Well today, Pastor Xavier says that we have all we need to find a lasting relationship with our Heavenly Father in the Bible. Let's join him as he brings us the good news from his study in the book of Deuteronomy.
1: Deuteronomy chapter 16, verses 1 through 17. I've entitled the message, the Old Testament feasts. Moses reminds the children of Israel about three feasts here. They had to be observed by all male Jews over the age of 20 years of age. And the importance of the feast is marked by the repeated command for them to be observed, as well as being cut off from Israel if they did not observe them. Now, There are seven feasts in total that were given to the Jews to celebrate, all pointing to a future fulfillment. Our text right here in Deuteronomy 16, 1 through 17, provides for us three of the major feasts. And again, they are mandatory, but in the three feasts, there are two that are included in the first Passover one of them is unleavened, which is mentioned. The second is the Feast of Firstfruits, which is not mentioned, but they occurred the same week of the Passover. So you have the Feast of Passover, unleavened, firstfruits, the Feast of Weeks, or Pentecost, and the last one is the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, let's look at the particular feast. We begin with the Feast of Passover. Remember again, the Feast of Passover is the main feast mentioned here, but it is accompanied with two other feasts, unleavened and first fruits. So the Feast of Passover, first of all here, was in commemoration of their deliverance from Egypt. Verse 1 tells that very clear. They were to remember that they were delivered from Egypt. Secondly, they were to sacrifice the Passover lamb at the place where God would choose. In verse 2, now the day was the 14th day of April. Passover is always the first full moon of spring the feast is based on a lunar calendar notice in verse 6 they were to sacrifice the lamb at twilight at the going down of the sun as in Exodus at Egypt it was in commemoration at twilight when the sun went down they were to eat the lamb in the very place appointed which is Jerusalem verse 7 so at the same time in memory the same thing but in a new place that's the Passover now the feast of unleavened Bread follows it. Notice they were to eat no leavened bread with the Passover lamb in verse 3, the first portion. No leavened bread. Leaven is a type of sin through the scriptures. Now, the tradition of the Jews in the preparation of Passover and unleavened feasts is interesting. Uh, they expel all leaven from the house, except they leave a little bit and they hide it for the kids to go search, kind of like an egg hunt. And when they find the kids, say, What does this mean? And the parent spills their guts and tells them all about the bondage of Egypt and how God came and how God judged them and how God, you know, delivered them and all that. And so they grow with their history that's passed down, how they were to rehearse it to their children. And so you have the Feast of Passover. Then the very next day commences the Feast of Unleavened Bread and runs seven days. Now, the third feast is not mentioned here at all, but it is recorded here in Leviticus. The feast celebrates the spring harvest. There are three harvests. Spring, summer, and fall. This is the spring harvest. The first fruit, the barley harvest, was brought to the priest, and he offered up a wave offering before the Lord. Leviticus 23, 10, and 11. And so it was a wave offering before the Lord of the barley. The feast called for a lamb for a burnt offering. Dedication and consecration to the Lord. First fruit. You give yourself to God. Grain offering mixed with oil, a drink offering, and it was all to be a sweet-smelling aroma to God, Leviticus 23, 12, and 13 says. An acceptable sacrifice to God. Those are the feasts that are seen here in the first eight verses. Now, when you get to verse 9 of chapter 16, from 9 on down to 12, you have the Feast of Weeks, or what's called the Feast of Pentecost. He says, You shall count seven weeks for yourself, begin to count the seven weeks from the time you begin to put the sickle to the grain. Then you shall keep the feast of weeks to the Lord your God with the tribute of free will offering from your hand, which you shall give as the Lord your God blesses you. You shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your sons, your daughters, your manservants, your maidservants, the Levites who is within your gate, the stranger and the fatherless and the widow were among you at the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. And you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and you shall be careful to observe these statutes. Now, notice that they were to count 7 weeks from the Sunday of the first fruits, 49 days making it fall on Sunday again. Here in verse 9. Now the feast falls in June. It is the feast of Pentecost. So when feast of weeks, feast of Pentecost, same Feast. The feast celebrates now what? The summer harvest. We already have the spring. There's a summer harvest called the feast of harvest in Exodus twenty three sixteen. Now they were to give a free will offering, notice that of wheat. Two wave loaves with leaven, and it's called the first fruits to the Lord in Leviticus twenty three seventeen. The first fruits to the Lord, as your evidence of your trust, your appreciation to God. Because God gave you the first fruits as evidence that the rest would follow just like he gave you. Now we come to the last feast here in verses 13 through 18, which is the feast of tabernacles. Listen to what he says. You shall observe the feast of tabernacles seven days when you have gathered from your threshing floor and from your winepress. And you shall rejoice in your feast and you and your sons and your daughters, your manservants, maidservants, the Levites, the stranger, the fatherless, the widow who are within your gates. Seven days you shall keep a sacred feast of the Lord your God in the place which the Lord chooses, because the Lord your God will bless you and all your produce and all the works of your hand so that you surely rejoice. Three times a year all of the males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord, your God, which he has given you. Notice that the feast here in verse 13 celebrated the ingathering of the year end or the final harvest. The feast was observed by taking a branches, concentrating, I mean, constructing booths to live in for the seven days as a reminder of God bringing them through the wilderness. Now, the feast was to be a time of rejoicing once again for all the blessings of God on the harvest. Verses 14 and 15 are very clear. These are the particular feasts. Now, let's look at the prophetic fulfillment of the feast. Very important. The feast of Passover. Remember, there are three feasts tied up with this one. The Passover was prophetic of the death of Jesus Christ and salvation by his death. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The prophet John declared, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world, in John 1, 29. Every Jew understood it. They were schooled through thousands of years of sacrifice. Substitution. The blood of Jesus saves men from God's wrath, even as the blood on the door and the lentil in Egypt, in Exodus twelve twenty two through 23. Romans 5, 9 says that we are saved from the wrath to come. 1 Peter 1.19 says that we are saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Christ cleanses us as believers on an ongoing basis from all sin, 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So Passover has been fulfilled. The Lord Jesus Christ Himself declared the fulfillment of Passover as He partook with His disciples the Passover or the Last Supper. And what did He say? He says, this is my body broken for you. This is the blood of the New Testament shed for the remission of sins in Matthew 26, 17 through 29. So now the disciples were not to look back to Egypt anymore, but they were look back to him. So we as Christians do not keep the Passover in remembrance of the Exodus, but in remembrance of what Jesus did in fulfillment. He says, do this in remembrance of me. So Passover was fulfilled by Jesus Christ. The next feast is the Feast of Unleavened. Unleavened was prophetic of the burial of Christ. Remember, it began on the next day after Passover, the 14th, he was crucified. And the 50th of April was the Feast of Unleavened. It began. Jesus was buried at sundown as the Passover ended. Now, Jesus hung on the cross from 9 in the morning to 3 p.m. And then he gave up his spirit and he says, it is finished in John 19, 30. He died. He gave up the gold. He gave up his life. He said, like, I have power to lay it down and take it up again. He says, Father, to you I commend my spirit. It is finished. Jesus fulfilled the Feast of Unleavened. Then you have the Feast of First Fruits. Now, first fruits is prophetic of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Remember, it is a day after the Sabbath, after the Passover, which is what? Sunday. Leviticus 23 10 and 11 tells us that. Sunday. The feast is called first fruit because Jesus was the first fruits of the resurrection as evidence of the others who would follow in his likeness, in their own order. 1 Corinthians 15, 23 says, Christ, the first fruit, and then those in their own order. Do not the scriptures tell us that blessed is he who partakes of the first resurrection, for in him the power of second death has no power over him? You don't want to be in the second resurrection. That's before the white throne judgment. That's for the non-believer. You want to be in the first resurrection. So Jesus was the first fruit, the evidence of that which was to follow. The graves were open, and the dead people were seen walking in the streets of Jerusalem in Matthew 27 53, according to Isaiah 26. Now, those individuals in Matthew 27, they were not raised from the dead like Lazarus or like Jairus's daughter. These people were resurrected. And they were seen. Why? As a guarantee and as evidence that what Jesus proclaimed was true. He rose and so did dead the saints there. And they were seen. The believer looks forward to being raised in a body like Christ. 1 John 3, 1 through 3 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has given unto us, even though it doesn't yet appear what we shall be. When we see him, we shall be exactly like he is. And everyone who has this hope purifies himself, even as he is pure. Verse 4 says, and the many you pass from this life into the next, you pass into eternal present, and you are just like him. So the first three feasts were fulfilled by Jesus personally while on earth. Now, you have the fourth feast, the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost, and it was prophetic of Jesus sending the Holy Spirit to the church. Jesus told his apostles to tarry in Jerusalem till they be endued with power from on high in Acts eight. The Holy Spirit came as a rushing mighty wind and filled 120 in the upper room, and they began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them the ability in Acts 2 1 through 4. Remember at Sinai, the law was given, and 3,000 were killed because they broke the law they hadn't even received yet in Exodus 32 28. 3,000 were slain. At Pentecost, 3,000 were saved. And later, in Acts 2.41, and then in chapter 4, verse 4, 5,000 more were saved. Paul says, the letter killeth, the Spirit gives life. Now, you want to be under law? You think you can keep the law? James says, if you fail in one, you fail in all. The only other option outside the law is perfection. Anybody want to go for it? We are driven to Christ by the law. Because we're helpless, we're unable to fulfill it. And so the Feast of Weeks was fulfilled in the sending of the Holy Spirit by Jesus from heaven. You have the last feast, the Feast of Tabernacles. Tabernacles is prophetic of the reign of Jesus on earth for a thousand years following his second return. You get this in Revelation chapter 20, verse 4 through 6. He returns, we come back with him. We have the judgment of the nations in Matthew 25. Matthew 25. He separates the sheep from the goats, and he has his thousand-year reign in Jerusalem. Jesus will shelter the Jew and those who did not accept the mark of the beast as he reigns from Jerusalem in the kingdom age. The people will have to go to Jerusalem yearly to worship the king and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Do you know that that's the only feast that is continually kept during the thousand-year reign? None of the other six feasts are kept, but the Feast of Tabernacles is. We don't know why. Now, if they don't come to Jerusalem to worship the king and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles, they will have no reign, Zechariah 14, 16 through 19 says. Now, does this affect us? No, we're reigning with Christ. We're the bride, remember? We're here with him for a thousand-year honeymoon. These are the prophetic fulfillments of the feast all the way through. Now, the only one that hasn't been fulfilled of the five is tabernacles. That's still future. The yin gathering, okay, after the seven-year tribulation. Now, there is a parallel to human life and the feasts that it's really interesting. This is not my studying. There's a guy called Zola Levitt. He's done an incredible, I, I was just amazed as I read this, and it's a neat parallel as we've looked at the feast and the fulfillment of the feast. There's an interesting parallel between the seven feasts and the average pregnancy of 280 days, which is calculated from the first day of the last menstrual cycle before conception. That's the premise. Now, before we get into that, let me give you the last two feasts real briefly so they'll make sense as we go through it. As we said there are seven feasts we stated at the beginning of the study we've looked at only five the two that aren't mentioned here in deuteronomy is the feast of trumpets and the feast of atonement or the day of atonement the feast of trumpets is the sounding of the trumpet to announce the holy month of the year october holy month for the jew and prophetic of israel last week the seven years called the time of Jacob's trouble in Jeremiah 30, verse 7. It's very prophetic. Now, the trumpet also is the sounding of the trumpet for the rapture of the church. They will both take place at the same time. We've studied that before. The minute the Lord takes the church home, the tribulation begins. So the Feast of Trumpets is still future, right? It will be fulfilled when the church is removed and the tribulation begins. Now, the Day of Atonement is putting away the sins of the nation and prophetic of the day when Jesus will pour out His Spirit of grace and supplication in the house of Israel. As they look upon Him whom they have pierced and they weep, and all Israel shall be saved. Now, Zechariah 12.10 says that, 13.1, and Romans 11.26. That's still future. Now, having the seven feasts in mind, Notice the parallel between life and the feast, human life and the feast. The feast of Passover, the feast falls on the 14th day of the first month, right? Leviticus told us that. The 14th day of the first month. The egg of a woman appears on the 14th day of the first month. The egg is symbolic of new life, both in the Jewish culture at Passover as well as the pagan at Easter. The feast of unleavened that follows falls the very next night, on the 15th of the first month. Do you realize that the egg of a woman is fertilized within 24 hours? Otherwise, the egg passes on. You do not get pregnant on the second, third, or the fourth day. If you don't get pregnant between those first 24 hours, the egg passes on. Which is another interesting concept about atonement and blood. When a woman doesn't get pregnant, how is that egg eliminated? Potential life? Does not take life, and therefore, how do you atone for it? through menstrual cycle? Blood. Have you ever thought about that? Incredible. The Lord Jesus Christ was planted in the tomb the very next day of the Passover before sundown. Did not Jesus say, "Except the corn of wheat, fall to the ground and die? It abides alone? He was buried, and the result was, corn of wheat sprouted up for many. Interesting. The third feast is the Feast of First Fruits. Now, the feast falls, remember, on the first Sunday during the week of unleavened bread. So it could be the next day or as much as six days afterwards. Now, the fertilized egg travels down the tube at its own speed towards the uterus and may take anywhere from two to six days to plant itself on the uterus wall. How interesting! What an interesting parallel. The Lord Jesus Christ rose from the grave assuring us of life after death as a first fruit. What a parallel with human life. Then you have the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost. That falls on the 50th day after first fruits. Seven Sabbaths. Not from Passover, from first fruits you count. Now, the embryo becomes a discernible human fetus On the 50th day, how interesting. The Lord Jesus sent the Holy Spirit at Pentecost to give discernible life to the church by regeneration. What a parallel. And the next feast is the Feast of Trumpets. And that feast falls on the first day of the seventh month, October. Now, do you realize that the baby's hearing is fully developed on the first day of the seventh month, according to William's obstetrics textbook? On the first day of the seventh month, what well, good's a trumpet if you can't hear? How interesting. What a parallel. The trumpet of God will sound, the church will be caught up to the air to meet the Lord in the sky. 1 Samuel 4.16. Then you have the Feast of Atonement. The feast falls on the tenth day of the seventh month. Do you realize the baby's fetal blood that carries the mother's oxygen through the baby's system is changed at this time? The hemoglobin of the blood changes from the mother's dependency to that of self-respirating and circulating human being. This change occurs at the 10th day of the 7th month. At that point, the baby is ready to be born, if needful. Coincidence? Maybe. The scriptures tell us that the life of the flesh is in the blood and that the blood of Christ redeemed us. The precious blood of Christ. Leviticus 17 11, 1 Peter 1 The last feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, falls on the 15th of the seventh month, October. The baby's lungs are fully developed at this point. The Lord Jesus breathed into the His Spirit into the disciples in Acts 20 22. And he does that to every person who accepts him. In this last feast, on the 15th day of the seventh month the baby's lungs are fully developed he is ready to be born the parallel to human life and the feast is incredible so we have looked at these feasts in three ways the particular feast the prophetic fulfillment of the feast and the parallel to human life to the feast Now we have gotten a better understanding of Paul's statement of the wisdom of God. Listen to him. All the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Romans 11.33. Amen. Now do you think you just possess a book in your lap this morning? Do you realize this is God's inspired word, theopenusal, God breathed, expired literally? It is an errand. It is infallible. It, in fact, can communicate eternal life to you, that you can trust us more than you can ever trust yourself. I mean, every jot, every tittle shall be fulfilled, Jesus says. Nothing in this Bible is by chance. God was not trying to fill pages so that people wouldn't think He couldn't write a big book. Nothing's there to just fill space or just to waste our time. I hope God has opened your understanding to the marvelous design and blueprint of God's plan even through the feast. And daily He wants to unravel that reveal things to your heart and to my heart as we seek him.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese with a simple truth about God's perfect plan for us. And you can request a copy of today's study called The Old Testament Feasts. And of course, as always, it's available on CD for just $4. And by the way, this also contains what Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together. So the title to ask for once again is The Old Testament Feasts. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's important that you include the call letters of this station when you contact us. Well, Pastor Xavier says we can't escape temptation, but we can defeat it. Find out how when you join him for the next edition of Simple Truths.